Welcome to the Live Like Jesus podcast. My name is Wilson. This is episode six on faith and policy. We are so glad you joined us. We are a live show that is also a podcast. Sometimes weird things may happen on live shows, but uh, that's the fun of them. We are so excited to have with us this week a special guest that is so relevant today. I hope yesterday you voted. Yesterday was the midterm elections. Got out and got your sticker and voted. You know, we are talking right now about what it means to be a public Christian. At a large picture here at Invite, we talk about being high on Jesus and low on politics. We think there's actually nothing more relevant to the world today of how to be a public Christian than the question of politics. Uh, sometimes there's a misunderstanding when we say low on politics that people might think we mean no politics. Uh, well, that's not what we, we mean at all. What we mean is that politics to some has become a religion. Uh, and we're saying there's actually an ordering, uh, the high on Jesus, low on politics, say that Jesus is above politics. To elevate Jesus above politics is not to be apolitical. In fact, our presence in God's kingdom leads us to invite all people to join, which includes care for their whole lives. Uh, our special guest today, Reverend Dr. Stephanie Morehand, is going to tell us a lot about what this means. We are excited to have her on today as a part of this. Let's let's get Stephanie on here. Stephanie, good to see you. How are you today? Well, I'm well. It's so great to hang out with you today, Lynn, and our purple matching selves That's as right. we talk about. <laughs> Um, what it means to be a Christian in, in, in the world, man, public Christianity. Absolutely. It is great to have you. And yes, we did not get a memo about matching clothes. It's just all the synchronicity. It's just happened. Just <laughs> so happened. Great to see. So, so tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, your background, your journey into ministry and what God has been doing in your life. Wow. Wow. Um, so I'll give you the cliff notes on on my journey, I am I hail from Moorhead City, North Carolina, East Coast girl, matriculated to Charlotte, North Carolina on an athletic scholarship at the University of North Carolina at Charlotte, go 49ers. And uh, upon graduation, ended up in the airport business and worked for a host Marriott and um, really moved fast up the ladder and became the operations manager at the Charlotte Douglas International Airport with Host Marriott Corporation, project manager for the whole Southeast from Florida to New York, Concord Mills wow. Mall, and then became general manager at the Little Rock National Airport. So had some great executive experience. And then the Lord being um, having jokes and laughing and going, you think this is it? I got more for you. And uh, I answered a call into ministry. And so presently serving I've served in local churches uh, as, as associate pastors, did a new church plant inside of a church, um, and then uh, now working on the conference staff, Western North Carolina conference staff in the metro district, the metro district, one of the largest districts out of the eight districts that we serve in Western North Carolina. And um, just having a good time, just trying to navigate where God is calling in this season. And then uh, last year, this past year, uh, I had a calling on last year and people were asking, hey, won't you consider running for public office? And I was like, ah, thank you, but no thank you. There are plenty of qualified people out there doing that. And wow. I'm not called to do that. And so we'll go into more of that. But it uh, God gave me a pivot 
a hard pivot and uh, as well as maintaining what I do in the life of the church, uh, but being pulled, not only doing the work inside the walls of the church, but being pulled outside into community. And so that's been an amazing, amazing journey. I want to hear more about that. So you chose to run for city council. In fact, still on your on the internet, if you go to stephaniehand.com, you'll see your your page, right? Your your campaign page. Uh, that's still out there. So how did this happen? So you're you're kind of you, you've already pivoted once, right, from executive leadership in uh, in the airport industry, which is incredible in its own right, going to ministry, and then there's this other pivot that happens, which is clearly precipitated by some kind of journey on your part. So I want to hear about that journey. Indeed, indeed. Um, probably uh, 2019, coming at uh, 2021, COVID. We were doing everything virtually, right? And so uh, I have certification in um, diversity, inclusion, and equity. And so I was leading a process in our district throughout Western North Carolina on equity, justice, and inclusion. So I brought a bunch of speakers and things in. And so that December, Peter Story, Dr. Peter Story, former bishop in South Africa, did it virtually with us. And and, and I consider him a mentor. I met him some years ago and uh, stay in connection with him. And I asked him at the end of his um, sharing, what message would you give us as believers and followers of Jesus Christ? And this is what he said. He said, when you're inside the walls of the church, preaching and having worship and administrative council meetings and Bible studies, he says, you are becoming the church. Mm-hmm. He says, but God doesn't allow us, does, did not design the church for us to just stay there. He says, we are truly God's church when we leave the walls of the church and go out into community and be at the crossroads where the greatest needs are um, and where we have our gifts. And each church and each individual as the church um, has gifts. And so how are we using our gifts that we were equipped to do inside the walls of the church, but compelled to then leave the church to go out and share those gifts? And so for me, that's where the impetus of that dwelled in my house. Like, well, well, God, what are you calling me to do? I thought I understood that I was out mm. in the community. I was doing those things. Then March rolled around and there was an open seat on uh, Charlotte City Council. And I got phone calls. You should consider filling in. It was only for a year. Filling in that seat. I was like, nope, I don't know anything about <laughs> politics. I'm good, what I'm doing. And then a friend of mine called and he uses uh, explicit words every now and again, like Jesus calling people vipers, but he didn't use that word. He said, listen, you have nothing to lose. Go ahead and just apply. So I was like, okay, you got a point. Don't have anything to lose. Long story short, application was submitted. I did not fill the seat. They wanted someone who had probably already filled the seat. They chose that person. But they said before they voted on who it was going to be, they said, listen, there were amazing resumes that came through and please give us a call. And so we can have a conversation with all of the applicants. And you, you, know, you kind of know who you are, a stellar, because we need people like you uh, running for public office. And I was good. Friends called like, you need to call you. So I called <laughs> and I talked to a couple of people on council and they were like, your resume was great. You should consider running for public office. I said, thank you, but no, thank you. The no was no. Fast forward to August. I got a phone call August, September, October, November, just from individuals. And one individual in, 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 in particular who said, you really should consider, you need to pray about it. I'm like, no, nah, I'm not praying. November 1st, someone <laughs> called me and said, hey, you really need to consider this running for office. 
I was like, I'm good. And then a friend of mine, my prayer partner, we were talking one morning. She's like, you've been talking about this for six months. Have you prayed about it? And I was like, of course not. Why would I do that? I know God doesn't want me to do anything. And then I decided I was going to pray. So I called my bishop, Bishop Kenneth Carter of the Western North Carolina Conference. And I said, hey, I'm about to go in this season of praying for three weeks. And this is what I'm doing. I'm considering, but I'm not really going to do that. Put my name in and maybe run for public office. And he cut me off. He said, Stephanie, I just want you to know running for public office is the ethos not only of the black church, but what the church is called to be and to become. And he went, I could, I didn't even hear what he said after. Cause I was like, I'm saying no, Bishop. I don't know why you're doing this. <laughs> I had a speech for you, Bishop, to say, so that you could talk me out of it. But by he finished, he said, I want to respect you, but I will pray with you and I'll cover you in prayer. Mm -hmm. um, but he goes, this is the ethos of the church and what the church is called to be in community where um, you're making decisions that affect community. And so long story short, put my name in, uh, filed to, to run, and uh, never, ever, ever thought about public office. Uh, I had a primary opponent, and I won the primary. We had 38 precincts in our district. I won all 38 precincts wow. and did not have a campaign manager, did not have expertise, um, had some people that would call me and give me advice but ran a very, very mean and lean family friend uh, campaign, but won. And then I was faced with um, uh, opposite um, political pundit. And um, it was wonderful, but it was hard in mm. July. It was an abnormal election because it was a July election, July 26. Um, then I had some people that wanted to come alongside of me, and, and that was amazing. And I'll say this, on the beat, out there running, I saw God like I probably have never seen God before. Really? I saw humanity like I've never seen humanity before, mm. more close and personal. The brokenness of humanity, the joy of humanity, um, the, the, the loss of humanity. And I thought, and people don't like this word, but I do. I thought I was woke, but I realized I was partially asleep and did not realize the depth of the needs in our community, but also the need for Christians to be out in the public square, to really be a part of hand in hand with the people that are in the public square that may not bless the, the doors of our church. But isn't that what Acts reminds us to do? It says when the power of the Holy Spirit, and I keep forgetting this, comes down. Yes, then yes. the church can then go out into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the world. But the Holy Spirit through Pentecost has already come. And so mm -hmm. it's time for us Christians to wake up, get mm -hmm. the giants in us to wake up, to mm -hmm. go out into community because the government is on Jesus's shoulders and we have to be a part of it so that we can point to a different way of doing things in our polarized world. So it was an amazing experience. Um, I met some people that were very mean to my interns, but God has a sense of humor and he had them come back around and they wanted to meet me and we would have conversations because they said they were Christians. And I told them, I, I didn't tell them I was a clergy, but I told them I was a Christian. Yeah. We talked and they apologized to me and they apologized. It was God moments over and over again. 
I did not win uh, this particular seat, Charlotte City Council District 6. I lost by 354 votes. It was a historical moment in North Carolina because the seat's been held by the opposite of my party for 40 years. And in 40 years, no one has ever come that close to wow. win the seat. And so made history, but I just know God was all in the middle of it. And I grew and matured more in my faith than probably I ever have in my life. Okay. I've gotten like a zillion questions listening <laughs> okay. to that story, but I, I want to start with something that's probably not exactly relevant. Maybe it is a little bit to this, the theme for the day, but, but how God works, like, like God's banging on your door over and over and over through the koinonia, through the Christian community, through brothers and sisters who keep calling on you and they're like, Hey, do this. And you're like, no, 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 that's good. <laughs> good. <laughs> That's incredible. That's just how it works, isn't it? You know, it's it's like that old joke about the person who's sitting on top of their house on the flood and they're praying for God to send somebody and then the boat comes and they say, no, I'm waiting on God. And yeah. Just- yeah, yeah. That was me. That was me. That was me. And literally, let me just say this, Lynn, literally, um, the friend who called me and was talking to me and, and she, so I prayed that night and I was like, well, Lord, I don't have this, 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 and this. And I was good. I was like, I'm, I can't do it because I don't have these things right here. Mm-hmm. The next morning at 730 in the morning, I'm an early riser. This individual called me. She goes, hey, how you doing? I was like, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. She says, well, have you made your decision what you're going to do? I said, uh-huh, I, I really have. And I said, I, I don't think I'm going to do it because I don't have this, this, this and this. She said, that's why I'm calling you this morning, because I have this, this, this and this. <laughs> and I was like, dang it. <laughs> so then I was like, well, let me call you back. And I did call her back that afternoon because I, I really, at that point, I really took it seriously because everything I said I didn't have and needed to run, God provided it the very next morning early. And so I got on my face and I fasted all day long. And I said, Lord, if this is really you, please make it even clearer because I evidently <laughs> the boats come by to save me. And, and I'm like, no, 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 I don't think that's it. Maybe that's in my head. Yeah. And um, so, so, so yeah, that was a real, real experience with God. So, and you said also that the, the whole journey here of going through the primary season, the election in July, you came out of that with all these kind of deeper, fresher understandings of your own faith, how God works in the world. So, mm-hmm. so give us one of those, like what's something that you really walked away with different than you had been before you entered that process? You know, there's this song in, in, in the church that they'll know we are Christians by our love. Right. And I just remember singing this song and maybe I didn't understand the implications of this song. But one day I was I went to the grocery store to get some some things from the grocery store to come home because I was headed to church that night. And then I was heading to something else from a political standpoint. But I had some work to do with the church. And so I was in the car and I went around the back way and there's a stoplight there. And I was at the stoplight and I looked over. It was a woman holding a sign. There was a little boy sitting beside her and she says, really need food. And I saw her and I was like, oh, that's so sad. And I, this light turned green. I turned the corner and I heard the Lord's, the Holy Spirit impressed amongst me and said, don't you have a box of chips in your back from your campaign and a case of mm. water? Why don't you give it to her? And I was like, but I'm late going to church. And, and it just <laughs> kept coming back to me. So there was another stoplight. So I did a UE, went back around wow. and I got out of the car and I gave her the box of chips, the whole box. 
and the bottled water. And I gave it to her. And as I turned back around, the Lord impressed upon me, but you got a credit card in your purse and Harris Teeter's right there. See what kind of food do they really need for their family? And I was like, God, I've got to go. And I turned around. And I said, ma'am, I'll meet you over at the store and um, get you some grocery because you said you need. She says she sent her son. He was about 16. So I went over there. I said, get whatever you want. And he kept saying, can I get this? I said, get, don't ask. Just get whatever you want. And I, I did all that. And I said, you mean you take me? He goes, no, I'll just take the buggy around there. And we'll bring I said, OK, cool. So I left. Now, fast forward. I'm at the polling place. Um, one afternoon, one Saturday afternoon, and people were coming up and talking, and it was a tough day. And all of a sudden, there's there's, there's three people in line, and so I'm talking to them. And one person goes, and then the second group, and this lady, she's just staring at me. I was like, oh, my God, what's going on? What's going on? Hmm. This lady walks up to me, and she says, I saw you. Now, this was three, four weeks ago prior to that. And I said, you, you saw me what? Hmm. <laughs> Makes me upset. Makes me cry. She said, I saw you at the Harris Teeter go buy those people that food. She said, and because of that, she says, I am the opposite of your party, but I'm going to vote for you. I actually voted for you and told people about you because I saw your love towards humanity. Wow. It matters. It matters. Mm. You know, we've been talking a lot inside here, Invite, about uh, not being apolitical or no political, but when we are, when we elevate Jesus above our positions and we see the humanity in one another, then all those differences become less of differences. Absolutely. We're all, we all share our humanity together, right? That's it. That's it. God, we're all sons and daughters of the most high God. Number one. Number two, we're American citizens of a great country. My father was in the military and was killed for saving his platoon that was with him in Vietnam. He didn't get out, but his whole platoon made it out. Mm -hmm. And my life has been centered around that of sacrifice for others throughout my life from my great grandparents that I knew, grandparents, and then my mom, who was a single mom. She remarried, but a single mom after that. Um, and so it's about giving. And that's what the that's what biblical, that's what we're called to do um, is that we're to feed those who are in need we're to comfort, we're to visit those who are in prison. Um, and when we don't do that, what did Jesus say? You did it unto you did it unto me because you did it to them. And so I, I don't know about you, my friend, but I want to get to heaven one day. So <laughs> I'm going to do whatever the Lord is calling me to do. And it's hard because this was out of my comfort zone, running for political office. That's not, that it wasn't on my radar screen. And then I walked into it in my mind going, I don't even know what to do. Mm. And so God says, well, who do you believe and who do you trust? And so it's been a journey. And I love it because there are times, and I'll confess, that I think that my smarts are, I think I'm pretty smart. I'm not that smart. <laughs> I, you know, I, I got some networks. Them networks don't even matter. Yeah. And so that's wow. what God was saying to me. Stephanie, it's not about you. It's all about me. And I didn't put Jesus on the cross if you all could get it right. But if you follow the will and the leading of the Holy Spirit, I'll show you things that you can't even imagine. And the lives that will be transformed, yours included, if you do my will in the public square. You're, you've given our listeners a, a story, a real world story, too. Just a simple thing like driving by a couple, a family sitting there and, and learning to listen, right? Learning to listen to the Holy Spirit, those nudges. 
And man, that's a real story, Stephanie. I've been there. I've done that. You go another block or two blocks. You're like, no, nah, God, that's all right. No, I'm, I'm busy. <laughs> but the spirit's pounding on you. You know, like, go on, turn around. Yeah, and that's it. Yeah. Lear learning to listen to the spirit is so, I mean, I've talked to so many people over the last five, six years and the, uh, all the political chaos in our country. And the conversation will go like this. It'll be like, man, we need better people to run for office, don't we? Yeah, I sure wish somebody would run. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That was me. Yeah, me too. I think it's a great idea. But, but my great, my grandmama's voice would say, if not now, then when? If not you, then who? Mm. And so we all have to, we think, we do this. We point the finger and say, they need to do that. And there are three fingers pointing at us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Ah. <laughs> and convicting us. And I say this to friends, and I just said this recently. I said, you know, I'm waiting for Superman and Superwoman. And Superwoman and Superman is on the inside of me because the Bible says greater is he that's in us. Mm. And that that's in the world. And that God is calling us to stand in the gap. God is calling us to heal. God is calling us to be an example in the light of Christ and Saul in the world. And so. Okay. Uh, let me ask you a couple of things here, Stephanie. Go ahead. Uh, go ahead. I'm going to kind of throw some softballs at you from either angle. One angle is kind of this, this long tradition in the church, which has been called pietism and other things where the idea is if you, love God, you focus on God primarily, um, let's just kind of share the good news, let's not get involved. Um, I've, when you've met people who basically have this theology, and I'm sure you have, I mean, how do you, how do you talk to them? How do you answer them, their concerns, their questions about a, a pastor getting into politics? What do you say? Um, you know, it, it, that's a definitely a debate that that is happening. Let's not make it. This is not political. This is this is the church. But Jesus went to the cross. Jesus dismantled political. And I just love Micah six eight to be honest. And I'm not a I don't do well with quoting. So he has told you, old man and woman, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with God. If there's something that is unjust in our society, we're called to engage. Amos 524 tells us that we cannot sit behind our holy walls and think that God is pleased with us by just hanging out there and not going out into the world to be a part of the solutions. They'll know we are Christians by our love. And when you love someone, you help provide the basic needs for every human being without judgment. I mean, you know, we're human and we can judge things very quickly. Like, for example, there are a lot of people holding signs and wanting food and will work for food. And I know I'm guilty. I would say, hmm, I'm headed to church and church people will say we're enabling them by giving that to them. But I eh, maybe, maybe not. That's between them and God. But my role, if I have and I'm not saying giving my whole check account away. But we're called to help. And, you know, I don't know. We don't know. You don't know by just encountering them that their life, something may prompt a conversation about the salvation of the Most High God. Something might prop a cover, uh, prompt a conversation that might be for me so that I can get better 
and being a follower of Jesus Christ. And it's about relationships and encounter, but allowing the Holy Spirit to do what the assignment is of that moment. And so that's why it is a it is the ethos of the church to go beyond the walls of the church, to be into humanity and the hurts and the celebrations that are offered out there. Okay, so the other side, like I did some study for a book I wrote for Invite here called Greater Things and uh, mm. looked into the life of Walter Rauschenbusch, who, uh, for our listeners, is the father of what we call the social gospel movement and the church. So his story is he went to a church in Harlem in 1895. At the time, the church was a kind of a cultural mashup of immigrants, a lot of German immigrants, Polish immigrants there. And these folks were suffering. And he had come from the pietist tradition, but he realized he needed to help get their kids out of the factories. He needed to help them figure out how to pay rent and the things they were struggling with. So he, as he responded to that, he wrote a book about it. Social gospel movement took off immediately in America. But what happened, unfortunately, is that a lot of folks ran with the activism and said, oh, we don't need the church. We'll just focus on causes. And in fact, none of Rauschen Bush's five children even stayed in the church as adults. So and he tried to write a corrective to that to say the focus is because of Jesus centered on Jesus. But there was this whole thing that was happening with Houghton. So how do you say and maybe this is a progressive uh, rebuttal? You know, you might hear this as well. But you know, how do you respond to people who say, well, you know, you have all these social uh, causes or movements, but that happens without the church? Does that question make sense? No, no, it does. And it's interesting you brought that up because we just had a conversation um, a couple of weeks ago on this very subject matter. And the conversation is, um, I don't need the church or tell us why we need the church when I'm working for Habitat for Humanity, when I'm traveling internationally and I'm building and I'm taking my money and I'm investing in that. And, and why do we we need the church? Because the church is really inside and I'm having to pay my tithes and offering. And I, I just rather take my tithes and offering and just put it uh, towards those things. And and so that is a phenomenal, phenomenal question of the tension between um, needing the church and being a need in society. And how does that intersectionality of both saying we need both and? Well, I'm not going to name names of organizations but there is power in God's church. Uh, Jesus said to Peter, upon this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. There is a reason for the church and the church is to build up disciples so that they can go out into the world to be apostolic leaders, to be sensitive to the spirit. Um, it's one thing to be able, and I want people to help, you know, go to the prisons and visit. But if, but if you don't know who Jesus is, transformation may or may not happen with or without us. But when we are equipped as disciples, why do you think those little 12 or 11 uh, misfits transformed the world? Because right. they understood the power at Pentecost and they yes. went. And although they lost their lives, I think of Fannie Lou Hamer, who loved the Lord, her God with everything and was beaten over the head just for people's rights to vote. I asked the question, how in the heck does someone get beaten over the head in, in the deep south as a black woman by the authorities? And you keep going because of the power of the Holy Spirit. I think mm -hmm. of Harriet Tugman, who's um, doing slave, getting slaves escaped from the South to the North. How do you do that 
when you know your life, why would you go back when you know your life is in danger through the power and the edging of the Holy Spirit? And you cannot, if you're not connected to the source, and I'm not saying the building is the source, but we are the source and studying scripture and praying and fasting and doing the ordinances, spiritual disciplines help us be more sensitive. And we need, it's not like you're by yourself. You need mm. community to hold you accountable and yes. go together with you out into the world. So it's both. And it's not one or the other. Oh, thank you, you for that. Talk. That's and so good. Yes. He's both. And both. Yes. And. So good. It's the, the the sustenance of the spirit, the resilience the, the of the church community, things that if we don't have, we can't sustain the effort. We can't last a lifetime in ministry doing the things in the world without that. We you'll, grow weary, we you'll grow weary in well-doing. <laughs> That's right. And you'll quit because it's hard doing this work. That is right. Okay, one more thought. I want to. I mentioned this to you before the show started. Uh, there's this idea of... Uh, subsidiarity. So subsidiarity is kind of an old school idea in the church. It's, uh, it's comes from Thomas Aquinas. Originally the, the Latin means to aid or assist, but as a philosophy, it's this idea that uh, social and political issues are best dealt with in their most immediate or local level. In other words, like you, you got to be in a community, right? You got to be in a zip code to really understand what the needs of that zip code are. And that's the best kind of political solution is engagement. And I love this concept. I think the church has kind of lost this. We've, we've so, and so often we've kind of focused on national issues without realizing that it plays out with our neighbors, mm -hmm. right? So you, you have to know one another in order to be able to truly help change lives. It starts local. Absolutely. Thoughts about that? Absolutely. I, I think that sometimes um, those of us in privileged seats thinks that think that we really can go in and fix it ourselves from our knowledge and our things, instead of empowering the people, we're not there to fix them. We're there to empower them. You know, you give a man a fish for a day, they eat per day. But if you teach them how to fish, then they can then work the land and businesses and own entrepreneurial so that they can create um, monies and things that they can care for their families. I know that first missionaries that used to go internationally from the Methodist um, diaspora would go and they would know what they thought the people would need. And I'll use this one example that I've heard of. And they went to this African country, this area, this community, and they built this shed because they had no shelter. And they built this shed and it was beautiful. They were so proud. And then they left and came back to the States. And then they came back over there a year later and there was grass growing up and nobody, it looked like nobody had ever used, utilized. And they asked the, the leaders and they said, it's um, wicked. They said, well, why do you feel it's wicked? They said, because it makes these noises and we don't understand it. They put mm -hmm. tin roofs on it. So when it rained, it made a lot of noise and uh -huh. they thought it was evil. They never asked them what it was that they needed. They went in and they said, this is what we think you need. That's not what God calls us to do. Mm -hmm. We have to include in a collaborative so that we're empowering people to lead. We're not there to save them. Only God can do it. But we're there to equip people so that they can live a vital and quality lives in this present age. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. OK, so this morning I'm going to try to pull it up real fast. I know we're live. I'm going to kill the time here. But the scripture I read this morning, I put it up on my Facebook feed, Stephanie. This is exactly what you just said. Oh, Lord. Uh, oh my goodness. Okay, so Mark 10, 35, the, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, 
Can we want you to do for us whatever we ask? This this is right after he told them that he was going to die. So their response is, "Do something for me," right? And so they should have gone and said, "Lord, how can we help you?" And they're saying, "Help me." <laughs> so how do you approach Jesus? Do we say, "Lord, whatever you need," or do we say, "Whatever we need," right? And so then right after that in the story, uh, Jesus sees someone else who needs to be healed and contrasts their question, "What do we need?" With Jesus' question, this is Luke 18, 41, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. So the question is, stop saying what we need and listen to people and say, what do you need? Mm-hmm. And empower them because remember the man that was at the, the, the seashore, the water, and he was on his pallet and he had been there for over 30 years and Jesus came and he wanted Jesus to heal him. And Jesus said, if you want to be made well, pick up your mat, pick it. You, you, I've already empowered you. And because I've shown up, things happen. Pick it up and walk. Yes. And it's like, wow. Now, now, that didn't happen to everybody, but it's about empowerment and listening to what people's needs are so that we're called then to meet them and not let it be superficial, but help it to be deep rooted so that they can live a fruitful life to actually care for themselves. Sometimes people just need people to walk alongside of them. Mm. And that's what the church can do at its greatest. Because what did Jesus do? Jesus walked alongside of the people who said, here am I, Lord, send me. We have it here at uh, Invite, our founding church, St. Andrew. Here we've got a, a a food bank. It's, it's much more than a food bank. It started as a food bank. It's been in place for about a decade now. It's called the Storehouse of Collin County. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite stats that they talk about is that the average family comes to receive uh, food assistance five times. Mm-hmm. And there's this perception that there's like this permanent class of people who are kind of like just coming to get food all the time. But the reality, and if you serve there, it breaks your heart because you hear these these stories. You hear, mm-hmm. I met one woman who came over by marriage from Eastern Europe, and then her husband died. She drove up in a Jaguar with no cash. Her husband had left her a car and she had no way to buy food. Mm-hmm. And and so these are the stories, you know, and it breaks your heart. And but most of the time people need that they just they want to be empowered, right? Yeah. They want to be you know that somebody's with them. They're not looking for a permanent handout. This is what I hear people say. They just want to have transition and assistance. And that's the kind of things we're talking about. But also, I would say this, Lynn. Yes, they want that as well. But here's the the systemic systems, the systems that the policies that oppress, that we're called to not only feed the immediate needs, but get to the root of the problem as to why we have this need. Um, And sometimes that is equity of distribution of funds that are in community, that is equity to come in to wart off gentrification, that's equity. So so it becomes, not only do we fix or be a part of um, easing off the immediate, but we gotta go deeper, what's causing it? And how do we resolve the, the upstream, if you will, of right. what's causing this to happen in our communities. And when we can get to the source of the matter, and I think Jesus calls us to do that, yes. then it, trans- it transitions people's lives. It transforms people's lives that their scales can fall from their eyes. And they're like, I want to know about that Jesus that you're talking about. Absolutely. I love that. That's the difference between the tactical and the strategic 
right? It's like you're just taking care of the day to day, sure, but what are the what are the bigger issues, and how do we strategically look at these issues and figure out how to solve them at the root? That's right. That's right. Yeah, I love this. Are, are you going to run again? Um, I'm still in a discernment uh, a phase of what I'm going to do uh, my next step on it, and so I would I solicit your prayers uh, on it because I don't want to. You know, I want to do it for the right reasons. I want to make sure I stay under the covering of the most high God. And when when if God says go for it, I will. I, I will say that I've gotten an outpouring of love. Thousands of people have sent me emails, text, as well as cards. And even out in the streets have talked to me and want me to run again. Um, and the question is, what do I run for or do I even run? And so I'm I'm taking a deep dive discernment on it. Because this could break you. I mean, doing this is is yes. hard, and if it's not on the covering of the Most High, you can you can really get sick because um, it is a lot. But um, I've learned a lot, and um, I'm grateful, and, and and I can say that I'm uh, striving to mature more in my faith to mm. push me outside of the walls of the church and push me in uncomfortable situations that I know that if God don't show up, I'm in trouble. Mm. Yes, yes, get out on the gangplank, right? That's yeah. right. Yes. <laughs> for real. I love it. Oh my gosh. Well, yeah, I'm taking that serious. When people tell me to pray for them, I don't just say, okay, I write that down and I'm, I'm going to do that for you. Please do. I, I, I ask every listener who understands the power of the Holy ghost and power of God um, to cover me so that I get clear answers on, on what my next is that. Cause I still, I mean, running for public office and even if winning public office, it's a part-time. So I would keep my full-time and things that I'm doing and intertwine that because that's the connectivity of the church to the world. Yes. So um, it takes a lot, but getting there takes a lot as well because we know polarization is real in our America. And I would just say calling all Christians, help us to rise to the occasion to show people there is another way and being examples of Christ in the world. That's what's going to change it. That's what's going to change hearts. And that's what's going to transform our communities. Uh, Dr. Han, thank you so much for your time today. It has been a pleasure. We've thank had a couple conversations, but none like this. This is great. I look thank forward you again. to more. Thanks for hanging out with me. Let me come hang out with you guys wearing purple, uh, pink and pink. That's right. Absolutely. That's good. Okay. Oh, so good. Okay. So a couple of quick notes about Invite Press coming up. We have a couple of launches uh, that are very close uh, on the 15th of November, the next in the Come Alive series, which is Come Alive Proverbs by Pastor Talbot Davis, another Charlotte uh, pastor, uh, probably a, a friend. I think I think Stephanie and Talbot know one another. Yep, she's nodding her head. They, so we got Talbot's third Come Alive volume coming on. And because it's still in pre-order, you have the chance to get this, this giveaway that we've put together. $200 package of Omaha steaks, which I hear are really good. I've not had them, but they sure look good there on that photo. So that's the 15th of November. And then we have two titles in December, one of which is a book I co-wrote with Leonard Sweet called Telos, The Hope of Heaven Today. And it has political implications as well. There are several things we talk about there in the book in terms of the kind of things that are happening in our culture right now. We also have a book called The Journal, which is a uh, novelization of a woman on the final journey with Jesus to the cross. And that will come out in December as well. Many more books in the pipeline. We have a book every 14 days coming out. And so 2023 is just going to be an amazing time for Invite Press. I encourage you to stay plugged into that. 
And also to this series, as we have a few more episodes to go and what it means to be a public Christian. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next time. Take care. Thank you.